Individuals are often looking for even the slightest advantages in performance and improvement. Alcohol and drugs are used for several reasons, one of them being to do better. From athletics, arts, workforce, academics, and in several other areas in life, people use alcohol and drugs to do better and improve the quality of their lives. What happens when people start to think and believe they are better when under the influence of alcohol and drugs? In this episode, I'm Better When I'm, we're going to explore the impact of believing you're better when under the influence. Welcome listeners to Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier. We are here to talk about a variety of issues related to addiction and recovery. Information you learn here comes from experiences as a clinical supervisor, substance abuse counselor, and licensed professional counselor. In the work I do with individuals and others involved in this field, we talk about a wide range of topics looking to educate individuals, families, communities, organizations, institutions, mental health professionals, educators, and anyone else impacted by addiction and recovery. People use substances, and we're talking alcohol and drugs, for several reasons. And four of the main reasons include to feel good, to feel better, curiosity, and to do better. And within those, there's a lot of, you know, reasons behind them. So someone might be trying to feel better because they don't feel very good. That could be ranging from going through, you know, withdrawal symptoms and using to feel better, to relieve those symptoms. It could be dealing with mental health issues and the mental health issues might be causing someone to, you know, not feel good about how they are and they're going to try and feel better. You know, curiosity could be because of a curiosity to explore maybe one's spirituality or creative means and to try and find out if a substance might help do that. Curiosity could be because of a group of peers who are engaging in, in substance use or, or alcohol use and wanting to be curious as well. So in this episode, though, we're going to really dive into and talk about the fourth reason, which is to do better. And when you think of like performance enhancing drugs, you know, also known as PEDs, you think of the the sports world and the athletes who are trying to gain an advantage over their opponent in competition. So, you know, Major League Baseball, through its history of, you know, juicing and the impact of PEDs on the sport, you've heard the scandals go on, the denials by players, the admission by players, the punishments that get handed down. And another area might be, you know, like the Olympics with things that were happening over the years. Um, You know, Lance Armstrong with with his performance-enhancing drugs, you know, scandal that was happening. So initially, when you think of, like, enhancing performance, like one of the things that first comes to mind is is performance-enhancing drugs, which is really big, more so with the, the sports world. But Athletes aren't the only ones trying to get an advantage or improve their performance. You know, we can also think of the area of like the workplace and academics as 
other areas in which someone might use substances in order to do better. You know, what comes to mind with the workplace is the movie Limitless, which is, you know, stars Bradley Cooper about getting that drug that gives him the ability to, to fully use his brain and, and enhance his lifestyle. And then when you look at academics, I think of Adderall use in which, you know, college students and, or students in general are trying to do better and improve their academic standings and, and get more work done in order to advance and, and do better with their academics. And then we also can even look at, you know, writers, musicians, and artists who look at how alcohol and or drug use help them to do better, be more creative, have a more open mind and go through a journey of self-discovery to find out more and to be able to express that through like writing musicians and and artists. So there was an experiment in the 1950s where uh, an artist took LSD and drew the same portrait nine nine times and you know back in the 1950s the government was doing experiments with you know psychedelic drugs and and one of them was to do that with lsd and it was an experiment that was through the university of california irvine and there was a psychiatrist known for his work on acid and he gave an artist an activity which was like a, a box full of crayons and asked him to draw his experiences um, and you can look this up and you can actually see the images from the result of the experiment and you know things kind of start out normal but it doesn't take long before the artist's perception of reality starts to warp and his, his drawings capture in like fascinating details various stages of you know this hallucinogenic journey from the beginning of his trip right through to his come down so this isn't too unfamiliar with artists as well but you know we're not all athletes um we're not people starring in movies about a performance enhancing drugs not all of us are students who are trying to achieve that higher academics and we're not all artists and musicians and writers but yet many people still use substances in order to do better. And that's really what we're going to dive into is not just those categories, but more so like in everyday type situations, how substance use gets introduced as an idea to do better. So let me paint a little picture for you on like a very basic level, right? So an individual is with a group of friends or appears at a bar, and they decide to to play some darts or billiards. And the individual plays one game of billiards or a round of darts and ends up on the losing end. You know, so a little embarrassment, maybe a few jokes, talks of, you know, rack them up or let's go again. And then the individual says, you know, all right, let me get another drink in me because I'm better when I've had a few. And maybe that individual later on sees another attractive individual at the bar, maybe feeling a bit nervous or anxious. They don't know if they can go up to the person to talk to them. So 
with that liquid courage, they consume more and think I'm more talkative and social when I'm drinking. These situations in, you know, a rare or few circumstances are not likely going to cause any significant problems. However, the most concerning point is when someone starts to depend on that substance in order to achieve that desired improvement to do better. So take away that substance and they think they can't do that anymore. Take that away and they are uncertain of their ability to do what they were able to before. When we don't feel as if we are good enough, which is an entirely other topic of discussion, we look to find ways to improve. You know, sometimes that way to improve or do better is through substances. And after a while, someone might really begin to think or believe that because of alcohol or drugs. So they really might think they are better when they are using. And that could be, I'm more social. I'm easier to be around. People think I'm more fun. I'm more empathetic. I'm a better lover. I'm more spiritual. I'm more artistic. I'm a better creator. I've had people, jokingly or not, say I'm a better driver when I'm drinking. Now, once again, we want to look at when people start to depend on that sort of thinking that I'm more artistic when I'm high or I'm a better lover when I'm under the influence. That I remember as, as, when I was working with teenagers, it was really scary because I had some who started to use substances to be better um, sexually active and the problems that they experienced when they stopped using substances and were no longer able to perform is is what they would report and it was crazy because like they were you know teenagers and now all of a sudden it was it was almost like imagining someone who is getting much older having some issue but really they were really young and taking that away they couldn't do that anymore or think they couldn't do that anymore so it just it reminds you of a well-known japanese proverb in the addiction and recovery conversation is first the man takes a drink then the drink takes a drink then the drink takes the man and this can happen when it comes to believing we are using something to do better because what happens if we think we are starting to do better well then we might use it more we might use it more often we might use more of it we might use it when we are doing that activity we might do it every time with that activity in order to try and achieve those desired results but then all of a sudden you can't find yourself doing those same same things without it and as we're, we're talking about performance and improvement, we want to really explore, you know, sort of like what is happening behind the curtain. Because how better we think we are, the reality of how we are doing can be entirely different. And there's three examples I can really 
bring attention to that helps illustrate this. There is, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia during season seven. There's episode 12 and 13, and they're called the high school reunion and the high school reunion part two, the gang's revenge. And it's the, you know, the group of misfits that own the bar, they go to their high school reunion and they're really looking to like sort of show off how great things are and how good things are to everyone else um, in their high school reunion. And throughout it, there's this idea of a plan B if their plan A doesn't work. And the majority of them don't want to do it, but it comes to a point where they decide to use plan B and plan B is to do this amazing dance routine to sort of show off and, and win the crowd over. So they do it and it's this great choreographed routine. It looks like it's done so well. The production is there. It's amazing. The crowd is in awe and they're winning everybody over and it's exactly what they wanted to have happen. And then shortly after you realize that it was nothing of the sort. They are winded, they are sweaty, they are not in any kind of routine. Uh, there's no cheering from the crowd. There is no, we won them over. It, it just became sort of a complete embarrassment. Funny to watch is as far as TV sitcom, but that reminds me that sometimes, you know, the, the individual thinks how they are is a lot different than how they really come off as. If we go back to that scenario of the person thinking that if I have a little bit more liquid encouragement in me, I am a much better talker and I'm more social. But really what that other person is seeing is someone who might be sloppy and slurring their words. So how often does someone think that they are better when they are under the influence or using and what other people experience with it is quite different. And that those two episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia really kind of highlight how that can happen. The, the other reference, the second reference is a part that I didn't really expect to see happening when I was watching this. And it was, uh, David Letterman, my next guest, needs no introduction. He had Dave Chappelle on, and it was season three, episode three. And, you know, Dave Chappelle, through, you know, a lot of his career, you know, mentioning marijuana use, you know, the movie Half-Baked definitely showed that. And towards the end of this episode with David Letterman, you know, he was um, smoking, and, you know, Dave asks Dave Chappelle asked David Letterman if he does it, and they kind of go into this conversation. Part of it was David Letterman asks, you know, does it help you to write? And Dave Chappelle's like, no, no. And Dave Letterman asks, does it help you perform? And Dave Chappelle's like, no. And I found that very intriguing, just a very honest response to that marijuana wasn't something that helped him to do that. But I think a lot of people perceived it and perceived his career, you know, early on was that, you know, marijuana, you know, so funny, makes him funny, 
you know, his comedy and all that. And here he is acknowledging that it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't help him write. It doesn't help him perform. But for so many people, how many of us thought that that was something that he would say yes to? And the answer was really, it was very confident and reaffirming that the answer was no when he came across it. I was expecting maybe he would go back and forth a little bit of it, or maybe he would say, you know, yeah, it does. But it was interesting to see him say no in a way that really acknowledged like, no, that doesn't help me write. That doesn't help me perform. The third talking point was a client that I had for many years, definitely one that that will always stand out, who was a musician. And this guy toured the world with some bands, played in several bands, knew so many people. I mean, every time we would talk, there would be a new story about his, his lifestyle and where he's been and who he knew. And very, very humble guy. Like you couldn't imagine anyone else sharing stories that had nothing to do with him, but was always such a, uh, a kind heart painting that about other people. So he would talk about, you know, the, he was living the rock and roll lifestyle and talked about how that was with drugs and with alcohol and all the other stuff that goes around with it. And believing that that's what you had to do to be a good musician, that that's what you were doing to be a good rock and roll artist. And thought about that for so long. And then, you know, after a while, when the drug use started to really take over, he, and then he got into treatment, got sober, is he often reflects on what he sees now in his performances he's gone and watched some old video of what he would do and he looks sometimes and goes that was awful that was terrible but you know what I probably thought I was really good there and there are times where he even acknowledges that he doesn't even remember some of the performances that he's done it's not because of getting older it was because of the drugs that he was on So as he watches these old performances, realizing that this idea of using drugs, living the rock and roll lifestyle made him a better musician, he was confronted more and more with the idea that it was it was not doing that. His musical talent declined, his performance worsened, and, you know, ultimately deciding to get sober, realizing that that's the substances that he thought were making him a better musician actually did the opposite. Now, this guy performs in a band for a weekly church service. And it's amazing how much he talks about how meaningful that is and how much of a... the a better musician he is playing for a weekly church service, being sober as opposed to the rock and roll lifestyle he was doing, touring around the world and meeting and playing with famous musicians. 
it's it's an incredible conversation when when I had with this client about this whole idea of believing he was a better musician and finding out that it was pretty much entirely the opposite. And part of that is that denial is is strongly connected with the alcohol and substance use. That's why I like to imagine the scene of like being on stage and while you think you might be doing better or doing better under the influence of alcohol and substances, what the audience is seeing is entirely different. You know, it's just the the individual who believes they are better at billiards with more drinks in them can barely hold the, the pool cue up. You know, I mentioned before, the individual thinks they are more social and talkative under the influence are slurring their words and being inappropriate. Someone doesn't want to be around with them. Someone who thinks they're a better writer can't even read their own handwriting or has no idea what they were saying when they were thinking when they were writing this. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to do to get better or to do better and improve overall performance or quality of life. Depending on alcohol and drug use, in order to achieve that is extremely risky. And a lot of people with some incredible talent have lost their lives due to alcohol and drug use, or their talent has just been absolutely destroyed by it. Some may have even believed they couldn't do what they did without it. Like, I can't give this up. If I give this up, I can't be as funny or be as creative. So I must continue to do this. I think a really good way of having this honest inventory with yourself about are you better when you are under the influence of alcohol and drugs is to put that in perspective of other people in your life. You know, so imagine being them and then imagine being with you and spending time with you when you are under the influence. You know, would you think you are a better person? Are you really a better employee, a better parent, a better spouse, a better listener? a more compassionate person? Are you more enjoyable to be around? And I know there are spiritual, cultural customs and other beliefs that that do include the use of substances to increase awareness, further insight, and an overall self-discovery. What I'm talking more about is that dependency. In order to do all that, I need that alcohol or drugs. And I caution people when they become dependent on those substances to search for themselves or to do better and falling into that trap where you think that you can do it only with the use of alcohol or substances. You know, sometimes you might end up like the gang from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and realize that you're not as good as you thought you were and the use of alcohol and substances actually make it worse. In Robert Greene's book, Mastery, 
uh, he wrote about this, and I was—I didn't expect this to be something he actually spent a lot of good time on. And he writes about it in the chapter in "Awaken the Dimensional Mind: The Creative Active." And I want to read a part from this because it's just so incredible how he touches on it. So uh, the book's amazing, but on page two forty-five, he writes about this very idea, and it's. In Western culture, a particular myth has evolved that drugs or madness can somehow lead to creative bursts of the highest order. How else to explain the work that John Coltrane did while hooked on heroin, or the great works of the playwright August Stringberg, who seemed clinically insane? Their work is so spontaneous and free, so far beyond the powers of the rational conscious mind. This is a cliché, however. That is easily debunked. Coltrane himself admitted that he did his worst work during the few years he was addicted to heroin. It was destroying him and his creative powers. He kicked the habit in 1957 and never looked back. Biographers who later examined the letters and journals of Strindberg discovered a man who was quite histrionic in public, but in private life was extremely disciplined. The effect of madness created in his plays is very consciously crafted. Understand, to create a meaningful work of art or to make a discovery or invention requires great discipline, self-control, and emotional stability. It requires mastering the forms of your field. Drugs and madness only destroy such powers. Do not fall for the romantic myths and cliches that abound in culture about creativity, offering us the excuse that such powers can come cheaply. When you look at the exceptionally creative work of masters, you must not ignore the years of practice, the endless routines, the hours of doubt, and the tenacious overcoming of obstacles these people endured. Creative energy is the fruit of such efforts and nothing else. That is so powerful of that cliche of that culture that I'm pretty much talking about in this to do better when I'm under the influence of alcohol and drugs. So there's there are ways to do better. There are ways to improve. Caution ahead when it starts to seem like that only outlet or pathway to do that is by being under the influence of alcohol and drugs. If you like what you learned, In this episode, please let me know. Go to any of the platforms where the podcast is available and leave a rating and comment. Reach out through social media, Talking Addiction and Recovery podcast Facebook page and Instagram handle at Talking Addiction and Recovery. Share your comments and feedback about what you hopefully learned with I'm Better When I'm. Thank you for listening.